the lack of masculine masculinity in in uh, the lack of masculinity in uh, in society and you should uh, put that I on mute, that uh, Gordon. Off. Yeah, should, should switch, <laughs> over, switch it off. It's Friday, February 2nd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, civil engineer and barbecue barbarian. With me uh, today is Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and WAPI presenter. No, censored WAPI presenter, I yes. have to say, of course. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. What is that all about, Gordon? Yeah, this is a remarkable development on our favorite uh, <laughs> TV news channel, uh, Ongehoord Nederland, uh, where yes. there's a spectacular falling out among the, the, the presenters and one of its star presenters, Reis of Blommerstein, who uh, people on social media who, who, who read a lot of Dutch Twitter uh, will surely have encountered. She walked out of uh, Ongehoord, Nederland uh, this week. She, yeah. said she, posed, she put up a long post uh, complaining that she'd been basically asked to stop tweeting, to stop sharing her opinion <laughs> on Twitter by um, Arnold Kaskins. A sensible advice. A sensible, sensible, advice. I think, think sensible advice in the context, but obviously rubbed a bit of a nerve on Ongehoord, Nederland, which is all about how the mainstream media are censoring people and there's no space yeah. for alternative opinions and now basically Arnold Kaskins who is the guy who one of the founders of Encore uh, Nederland had apparently according to Reza Blommerstein been uh, told her to shut up and um, yeah. just concentrate on presenting the news uh, which would be a first for anybody on Encore Nederland so uh, and then this, of course, was featured. So, so she did that. She she uh, she stamped her feet and threw her toys out of the pram. Uh, and obviously, this then circled back and featured on on Hord Nail on the following day, uh, which I thought yeah. was a, a vastly entertaining item, uh, where they talked about uh, the, the a bit incestuous, a bit incestuous. Yeah, media talking about themselves. Uh, but uh, fascinatingly, I think the panel um, who included a former PVV MP, Ham Bainstabar, who <laughs> left the party just before its uh, historic election victory. So must be yeah. feeling absolutely <laughs> sick as a parrot. <laughs> but anyway, he's now spending a lot of time in the Encore Nederland studio and saying that uh, yeah, the, the, what they said there, it was a great shame that Teresa had chosen to leave. She was a great presenter, but she was also. They also said she was distributing fake news and she hadn't been censored at all. Although I have to say, mm-hmm. being a good presenter and uh, sharing fake news are not incompatible things on on Claude <laughs> Nederland, so but perhaps it should not exactly. have come as a surprise to them. But they claimed that she had not been censored; she'd not been asked to stop. She'd just been asked to kind of uh, tone down her tweeting a bit to be a bit more moderate. And of course, they then said that uh, they mentioned that a lot of people, the followers of On Claude Nederland, on social media, were then uh, had, had sent them lots of uh, very barbed messages, lots of hate messages, saying you've been taken in by the mainstream media, you've been absorbed mm-hmm. by the NOS. So cookies from eigen deeg are doing a brisk trade uh, in the uh, Onhoord Nederland universe. So it's all very, very entertaining, I thought. Yeah, and uh, Reisa Blommestein, she has a PhD in philosophy of law, if, if that is uh, a term, I don't know. Um, she did her PhD on the Weimar Republic um, without expressing what she thought about the successor of the Weimar Republic. <laughs> yes. Let's not dive t- uh, too deep into that. But she, uh, her academic career 
um, yeah, was uh, uh, she was also kicked out of the Leiden University because of yeah what she was saying on social media, which was basically the reason why she was brought in at Ongehoord Nederland, this public broadcaster that was basically founded as the uh, yeah media outlet of Forum for Democracy, uh, right? They were uh, collecting uh, yeah. signatures um, uh, at Forum for Democracy party conferences. They needed to support, yeah, I, I believe, fifty thousand uh, signatures or something of paying members in order to uh, be allowed to to uh, broadcast on on the on the public channels uh, and yes she was she was brought in because of what she was doing on social media yeah. and yeah that this was uh, that that she's now finally um, yeah fired from Ongehoord Nederland because of her statements on social media is a bit ironic uh, nonetheless um, the day after <laughs> she was fired she already opened a, um, a GoFundMe page yes. um, which is always uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 a, a textbook example of uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, of, um, put up a, um, a selfie video uh, urging people to donate money to her latest yeah. project. Um, so yeah. yeah, it is the the grift that keeps on grifting. Um, <laughs> 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 yes, and uh, yeah, we stay at the uh, Forum for Democracy uh, corner uh, with my job title because Thierry yeah. um, Baudet, um, yeah, is um, expanding his activities outside of Parliament. He's not been doing much in Parliament, of course, but instead he has opened a business with uh, meal boxes. Right, you can order meal yeah. boxes, and then uh, you get sent these yeah quality products from from Dutch soil. It's all very 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 uh, boreal and very um, yeah, yeah. yeah very, very kind of nativist you know no farmers yeah. no food and exactly uh, yeah. uh, he's really trying to uh, monetize the uh, pro-farmers uh, movement that has mm. been spreading over the countries and it's, uh, it's also spreading to Belgium by the way because as we speak the uh, Belgian farmers are blocking um, the motorways uh, crossing the border with the Netherlands I'm not entirely sure why they chose the border of the Netherlands to the, block the, they're kind of threatening people with a good time aren't they saying you can't yeah. get into Belgium <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. well I, I would suggest they, would, they, they should better go to Brussels but I think they already went there yesterday yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I think they destroyed everything there was to destroy so yeah they need to find other uh, uh, activities I guess um, but going back to Jerry Baudet he's been selling uh, uh, meal boxes uh, with a new newly formed company it's also the reason why he's been expelled from Parliament two times because he refused to um, uh, be transparent about his income that he derives from this uh, from this side business uh, but on TikTok and on other social media platforms he promotes these uh, meal boxes and uh, often he makes some uh, tutorials on how to cook certain meals and this week in particular he um, yeah was ridiculed very much because he was barbecuing one kilograms of entreco meat which is a beautiful piece of meat but he put it on the barbecue um, and when he opened the the, the, the green egg I believe it was uh, it was completely <laughs> charcoal right it was completely <laughs> yeah, yeah. dark it was really it just burnt to a crisp wasn't it it was, it was like yeah. a block it was like a brick basically coming out of it, the barbecue it, oven it, it looks like something yeah. that came straight out of a volcano um, yeah. and um, he was yeah. uh, cooking this with with uh, with a former footballer and um, yeah then they cut the meat and it was also uh, yeah the inside yeah. was also uh, clearly not well done which yeah, was, it was too well done raw, basically wasn't it it was that classic yeah, uh, yeah barbecue mistake of just cooking yeah. and you're not not letting the barbecue heat up properly only cooking the outside until it's yeah. burnt to charcoal and the inside is still yeah uh, basically uncooked 
and then they took a bite and claimed that it was delicious. Yeah. And the irony here is, of course, that Forum for Democracy and Thierry Boudet and also Andy van der Meijer, this particular footballer, are always complaining about the lack of masculinity in, in society, right? And that uh, uh, men are becoming too, uh, too uh, feminine uh, and they can't even uh, cook a proper piece of meat on the barbecue yeah. so mm-hmm. where is their masculinity of course exactly well, um, where does it all go wrong yeah and it was an enormous chunk of meat as well right it was about a kilo of uh, it was a kilo yeah, yeah of uh, of between of two entro- guys entro- code. Yeah. yeah so um, and I asked on social media at Eerlijk Eten uh, if uh, if they uh, ate it all, and they claimed mm. they did. But uh, right. yeah, I uh, there's going to be a shortage of uh, cancer specialists uh, yeah. in, in in the next uh, thirty years. Yeah, I worry for whichever dog uh, that the FAD also um, <laughs> fed the leftovers to. As a, as <laughs> So, uh, speaking of um, questionable food, let's go to the ophef of the week. Uh, this time it comes from uh, Amsterdam, where uh, TikTok stroopwafels uh, are causing outrage on social media. And we all know the stroopwafel. It's a podcast favorite, of course, if it's uh, properly flavored, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, caramel-filled delicacy has in recent years become uh, more and more well-known across the world. Um, for example, there are various shops in the United States that are selling them, right? It's uh, always curious thing to see if uh, when 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 u.s uh, shops are, are selling stroopwafels i think yeah they're um, becoming more popular definitely um, yeah and uh, they're also of course the onboard snack on klm flights yeah uh, which is i think the two uh, may be connected you know so americans yeah. who come over to amsterdam <laughs> get a stroopwafel on the way home and uh, they're addicted another they're virus spread by the airplanes yeah. uh, in uh, <laughs> across the world exactly yes <laughs> So uh, social media and Instagram and apparently KLM uh, are the cause of the stroopwafels increasing popularity. But uh, unfortunately, since TikTok has taken over as the most popular social media platform, things have spiraled out of control. There's one clever entrepreneur in Amsterdam. He has exploited the power of TikTok. He has opened this fairy tale like shop where he sells stroopwafels with uh, colorful toppings. And of course, that attracts a lot of uh, social media users who like to share uh, their uh, um, their latest acquisition on social media. And it has caused uh, a lot of viral videos uh, on TikTok. Apparently, I'm not on TikTok, so I, I, I have to quote, quote the yeah. parole uh, <laughs> on this. Um, and that attracts, of course, more and more tourists, people who visit Amsterdam. They think of this TikTok video. Oh, this uh, nice little shop. Let's go there. And... Um, this week, a video of a huge line of tourists waiting outside this particular store at the Kalverstraat went viral. Uh, the line snaked over the canals. The store even employed traffic controllers to prevent the line from blocking uh, uh, blocking traffic on the canals. Yeah. Is this um, like uh, the next stage of the knip? You know that that infamous uh, yeah. <laughs> experiment to to cut traffic uh, through the centre of the in, in, on the inroad on the roads leading into Amsterdam. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and um, yeah, people were wondering what are these people waiting for. So next, there was a photo uh, tweeted of a receipt of this particular stroopwafel store, which is called the Van Wonderen Stroopwafel Store, I believe. Uh, and it turned out that these stroopwafels are extremely expensive, and that mm-hmm. of course added to the outrage. Uh, yeah. I believe 13 euros per stroopwafel. 13 which is euros for one yeah. one stroopwafel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can buy four stroopwafels, and that's uh, uh, more expensive than a gram of coke in the well, uh, capital. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, because this week we also had the mayor of Amsterdam, Famke Halsema, uh, delivering a speech where she, she suggested that uh, cocaine 
should be legalized or at least uh, better controlled and um, yeah. distributed through legal outlets. Um, perhaps this is an opportunity for some enterprising drug dealer to combine. <laughs> if, if, if there's clearly a market for very expensive stock baffles. There's a market for cocaine. You just need to find a way to kind of make a paste that will you know, that, 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 that you can combine with uh, stock baffle filling, and you know, um, you, you, you fix, you kind of kill two birds with one stone. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is your VOC mentality speaking here. It is, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can see this uh, happening. Yeah, yeah, and they are going yeah. to move the red light district, of course, to this erotic center. So yeah. perhaps they should build a stroopwafel and cocaine center next to it. A, a mean, coke stroopwafel emporium. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, now, yeah. Now the coffee shops are closing down. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of empty shops <laughs> that need a new line of business. <laughs> Yes, this is this is a million dollar idea. Or um, if I uh, look at how much uh, 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 how rich Pablo Escobar is, a multi billion dollar idea. Um, so this ridiculously priced uh, soap waffles. Um, the Parole, the local newspaper, of course, uh, went out and interviewed some Amsterdamers and to see what they think about uh, this development. And they uh, yelled that these people are crazy. They should just go to the Albert Kuip market where you can buy a similar stroop waffle for two euros. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they also interviewed some people who were actually waiting in line, one and a half hour line. And uh, yeah, these tourists said, uh, yeah, we don't care. We just want a, a nice stroop waffle. And we want, uh, <laughs> we want to photograph this store for an Instagram and on TikTok. So um, apparently there is a market and uh, yep. people are willing to stand in line. I mean, I would say, I would suggest just you can better wait in line for the Rijksmuseum or the Van Gogh Museum. That's that more value for your money, sensible. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's far too sensible. And this all added, of course, to the feeling Amsterdamers have that their uh, city is uh, suffering from mass tourism, right? It's starting to become a, 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 a theme park, basically. And uh, yeah, this all adds to this already existing notion that uh, uh, tourism is uh, is spiraling out of control so um, yeah. yeah a lot of a uh, lot of discontent and outrage on yeah. social media and of course once again they can blame the foreigners they can blame the tourists yeah. so everybody's of happy yeah yes which is uh, actually uh, amsterdam's favorite sport at the moment This week, the four negotiating parties are still showing no signs of any progress in the formation process. It was again a busy week at the International Court of Justice in The Hague. Fewer houses have been built last year than the government wanted. Inflation is still high and the number of refugees has gone up. An explosion in a house in Rotterdam caused two deaths while one person is still missing. And Mark Overmars had to spend transfer deadline day on the sidelines. I'm sure he found sure some ways to entertain himself. <laughs> Uh, we're well over two months away from the Tweede Kamer election and there's still no sign the four parties uh, that are trying to make a coalition are making any progress. Officially Geert Wilders of the PVV, Dylan Jessogus of the VVD, Pieter Omtzigt of NSC and Caroline van der Plas of BBB have proclaimed a state of radio silence, meaning that they won't make any statements about the progress of the talks. That isn't new and happened before, but the four leaders aren't as tight-lipped as in other formations, and Geert Wilders continue to be his old self on social media, regularly tweeting outrageous stuff, calling Jessica's names or calling her sour, um, or hinting on new elections, uh, which he, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's not uh, a, a 
Um, Margrethe always said, I'm not going to say anything because that wouldn't be constructive for the talks. Geert yeah. Wilders is, um, when he's standing in front of journalists, uh, repeating the same, but when he's uh, opening his uh, Twitter app on his, uh, on his cell phone, then he, uh, he clearly uh, forgets that he, uh, he should be silent. <laughs> yeah, there's even radio silence. Yeah, yeah. and also, I mean, the, the phrase that Margrethe famously used was he wasn't going to respond to every chunk of red meat that Wilders throws into the arena, right? But I think this threat for new elections was a yeah, heavily charred kilo of uh, barbecue, badly barbecued uh, <laughs> uh, beef here, because I think that really has seems does seem to have been a game changer. <laughs> That's an excellent joke. Um, <laughs> Dylan Yesogus uh, said in her speech at the Favour Day party conference of this weekend, we all thought it was going to be a spectacle, but it was a bit, of, little bit of a disappointment in that regard. Um, she said in her speech, though, that uh, some of the negotiating parties are more left-wing than Labour and GroenLinks of Frans Timmermans. And I think that was clearly a, um, a uh, sneer at, uh, at Geert Wilders, I think. Yeah, um, there were a lot of little jibes at Wilders, weren't there? And this is she also yeah. had that famous comment that um, she, she said during the speech uh, that uh, you can win an election if you throw out enough angry tweets uh, on social media. And that got Vils' yeah. back up as well. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was uh, why he called her sour because of that yeah. comment. Yeah. And Dylan Yesukas also, uh, for the first time, um, sort of hinted that uh, she was going to uh, be a, um, a full coalition partner rather than uh, uh, just uh, just be a gedoog partner as uh, as she said at the beginning of the information process so um, some signs are suggesting that things are going well others uh, are, are yeah, that there are contradicting signs as well I think yeah and, and commentators and political analysts say that uh, yeah these kind of comments and these kind of uh, yeah Underwater pinches, I guess, and punches are signs that, uh, yeah, the four parties are still a long, uh, yeah, distance away from gaining the required trust before they can actually start talking on substance because. Uh, that phase hasn't really started yet, right? Officially, officially um, it hasn't. Although they, they do seem to have talked about a few substantial issues, and uh, they don't. Yeah, th- that also seems to have uh, become a bit of a divi- dividing line because uh, the, 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 there's a lot of hints. I think that they're not agreed at all on uh, the public finances and the need to uh, find because the financial experts turned up two weeks ago and sort of poured cold water on the whole process by saying you'll need to find 17 billion worth of budget cuts. Yes, and that's all later in the script. So thank you for right. ruining my okay. story. Yeah, yeah I thought it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, there were other signs that the four parties differ on key issues as well. There was a, a debate on the uh, budget for the agriculture ministry this week, for example. And you really saw that the four um, uh, negotiating parties attacked them, uh, themselves on, on, on several of the hot topics. For example, new social contract, NSA, of the sudden is in favor of the 2030 nitrogen deadline, much to the chagrin of uh, Caroline van der Plas, who is also uh, negotiating right now uh, uh, for, a, for a coalition, right? Um, yeah. They even tabled a motion to sensibly reduce the number of livestock in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's also something that the boer beweging is very much opposed to, as well as the PVV. The PVV, however, um, all of a sudden uh, made a U-turn on the necessity of the nitrogen reduction. You can, if you look back at all tweets 
of Geert Wil was, he always called uh, the nitrogen plants ridiculous and it must be scrapped immediately. Mm-hmm. But the, the new PVV MP that is the spokesperson on nitrogen issues all of a sudden said that, uh, yeah, we uh, we must do something. Otherwise, uh, otherwise the court will take over. Uh, so there is a little bit of a U-turn there. It's a surprising U-turn, I have to say. Um, and the PVV is also in favor of the wolf, um, Dion Graus, the, yeah, most ridiculous PVV MP right now, I think, yeah. is uh, a huge fan of the Wolf, while ah. uh, the NSA and the BBB clearly are not. So that's also something that uh, they disagree on. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of a lot of signs that uh, yeah they uh, they are not uh, seeing eye to eye on the number of key issues. So in that regard, it's a fairly unconventional promotion process. But uh, one uh, indicator that, that hasn't changed is that when things start going badly, we start seeing leaks to the press. Yes, uh, Algemeen Dagblad, uh, the newspaper, reported this week that the four parties have agreed to freeze all spending plans because of concerns that the next cabinet will have to implement cuts. You already mentioned that. Uh, financial exports came in and they said, yeah, you need to find 17 billion euros because uh, interest rates have gone up and there are increasing costs of uh, the aging population. So, yeah, you need to do something about that. Um, and now the parties, uh, apparently, according to the Algemeen Dagblad, um, have agreed to vote down any new plans that are proposed in parliament by other parties uh, that will uh, yeah, uh, cost the government uh, uh, a lot of money. So they're going to block extra spending for the duration of the formation. And this deal might explain why uh, PVV MP Fleur Agema all of a sudden uh, did not vote in favor of a motion to reduce the eigen risico, as we discussed last week, for example, because yeah. that will Even cost spent, six... Yeah, she spent the last 16 years campaigning for it to be yeah. abolished. Yeah, exactly. That will cost six billion euros a year. So yeah, that's a lot of money, of course. And they agreed not to uh, to to leave that all uh, to the to the formation uh, negotiating table. Um, another thing, Peter Omzicht's NSA uh, voted uh, against a motion to compensate students who didn't receive student grants in the past eight years. Another thing he has campaigned on. So yeah, you, and that's very it, fa- that's it, fascinating because Omzicht uh, just before the election, uh, I remember table them um, actually had a motion managed to get a motion passed. Uh, that uh, scaled, but that scaled back uh, the expat tax regulation. The whole point of that was to actually free up money to compensate these students. So that is exactly. a remarkable U-turn. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not a U-turn. It's it's an agreement that, yeah, we're not going to put this into legislation or have it passed uh, until we have agreed on it in the negotiating uh, chamber. So that is, is, but but it it causes a lot of awkward situations for them when they have to, yeah, are not going to raise their hands when uh, plans they actually have proposed are uh, put to a vote. So, Mm. and of course, um, there are several media outlets that are, reporting that finances in particular are the great obstacle in negotiations. The 17 billion euros that need to be uh, cut, for example. Wilders is very much opposed to painful mega savings. That was what he tweeted, right? I'm not going to do that. Otherwise, we're going to need new uh, new elections. Yeah, um, and not just that, but he also said he wanted to see tax cuts. So no budget yeah. savings and tax cuts. And yet, yeah. they've been told they have to find 17 billion of savings. 
Yeah, and he is, of course, proposing to cut all cultural subsidies and all international aid, for example, but that's not yeah. going to lead to 17 uh, billion euros. So uh, yeah. good luck with that. And it's also that. not going to uh, be uh, put him in Peter Holmes' good books because Peter Holmes just said, as well as uh, uh, respecting the Constitution, the Netherlands also has to respect its international agreements, which include things like yes. commitments on, on spending on development aid. Wilders wants to cut back the contributions to the European budget because that's all been agreed so Omzicht will surely not tolerate any moves in that direction either no and he's of course a, a huge advocate for strict fiscal responsibility just like yeah. uh, the favorite day is so there's a clear uh, division also in in, in, in in that regard when it comes to government spending so again good luck with that and at the same time anonymous sources are complaining about the lack of financial and economical expertise in the BBB party with the fourth uh, uh, negotiating parties so and there is also a lot of um, complaints about indecisiveness on Peter Omtzigt side uh, right uh, something mm. that he has been accused of in the in the in the campaign as well when he uh, took a very long time to decide uh, if he would actually run if he would actually found a party when his party manifesto would come out so um yeah there are a lot of um uh, wrinkles still to be ironed out before uh, we could see any progress yeah i think some huge wrinkles are turning into great big cracks yeah. if, you, if you go through that tweet by builders line by line what he says is he wants to put the dutch first well that again is uh infringes on constitutional rights because he wanted that implies that he wants to um to compromise the position of uh people who he does not regard as dutch like particularly muslims uh, he also says no mega budget uh, uh, savings or uh, and and big tax cuts so again that goes right against uh the vfd and the nsa's position on financial responsibility um, and he also says that he wants uh, to put these uh, Spreidingsvet into deep freeze, this very cluttered-looking deep freezer that they, they have now, where he, uh, he also wants to put his own constitutional plans. Um, so, again, clearly the Spreidingsvet, which, of course, the Fefe Day passed, this is the law, just to refresh people's memory, that uh, allows, that gives the minister the power to override local councils when he's uh, trying to find accommodation for asylum seekers around the country. Uh, the Spreidingsvet is clearly a real bone of contention between Wilders and the Fefe Day. The Fefe Day, of course, now passed it in the Senate, even though dealing Yesterday's doesn't like it either. So, yeah, all these issues uh, are yeah. fault lines, and Wilders is basically, I think, saying in this tweet he's not really prepared to compromise on any of them. So, where do the talks go from here? And, yeah, um, how can uh, the glorified minute taker, informateur Ronald Plastek, salvage the situation uh, given that he's got a deadline coming up? Yes, his time is, uh, is running out. He has a deadline on February 12th. On that day, the Tweede Kamer expects, expects him to send a report on how the talks are going. Uh, and if he still feels confident, the four parties uh, will be able and, uh, uh, and, and are able to, to reach a deal. Um, the report is uh, followed by a debate in the Tweede Kamer. So it's something to look forward to. And uh, after that, the Tweede Kamer will decide how to move forward if they uh, feel like these four parties should continue negotiating or we need another informateur, for example. So, uh, yeah, it's all, uh, we all have to wait and see what the uh, what Plastex report will say. Yeah. And meanwhile, of course, the outgoing coalition keeps uh, changing uh, d d d <laughs> changing shape. Uh, uh, so we, we now have uh, a new health minister. 
Yes, uh, after the surprise departure of Ernst Kuipers, uh, we still don't know what he's going to do with his new job. Uh, it's 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 interna- it's an international job, but we still don't know what uh, what exactly. Um, his duties were taken over by Deputy Health Minister Connie Helder, uh, while D66 was searching for his replacement, and they have selected Pia Dijkstra to take over the job. She has previously uh, served as an MP for 12 years and was the driving force behind a number of pieces on medical and health legislation, including uh, changing the way organ donors are registered. Uh, it's now a yes unless system, thanks to her um, uh, initiative law. And uh, she also uh, made euthanasia more accessible to people who feel they have lived a completed life. And um, I think last time she was uh, rumored to become uh, the DSSS health minister. And then surprisingly, they chose for uh, they chose Ernst Kuipers, who wasn't even a party member, by the way. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, she, uh, she finally got her dream job. But the question is for how long? Yes. Well, I think uh, given the way these talks are going, she may well be minister for, for, for several months. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so it's fascinating to see how the, 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 we, we have had this election at which the four parties in the last coalition obviously suffered a heavy hit. They lost about half their seats, and yet uh, that they're still continuing to appoint uh, government ministers out of necessity because the uh, four right-wing parties can't make any headway at all on forming a new cabinet. The International Court of Justice in The Hague has rejected a claim by Ukraine that the shooting down of Flight MH17 was an act of terrorism. Judges said the convention under which Ukraine filed the suit only covered financing, not the supply of weapons, such as the book missile that shot down the uh, Malaysian Airlines uh, uh, passenger plane in uh, in, in 2014. They also ruled Ukraine was not entitled to reparations. But they did find Russia guilty of minor breaches of international law on funding terrorism and racial discrimination. The latter charge relates to restrictions mm. Russia's imposed on Ukrainian language education in Crimea after the peninsula was annexed in 2014. It's the first time a court has ruled on the International Convention for the Suppression of the Financing of Terrorism. Uh, they need to work on their catchy titles, the ICJ. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, well, actually, it's not, they, they don't write the treaties, I know, but... Anyway, the judges said the scope of the treaty was more limited than Ukraine argued during the hearings last year. But a member of Ukraine's legal team, Anton Korneyevich, said it was an important judgment because it found that Russia had violated two international treaties. We need an international treaty on the ridiculous length of uh, international treaties, I think. (laughs) And the two countries uh, will be back in court uh, today on Friday, right? Yes, because Ukraine has also brought a case under the 1914 Genocide Convention right at the start of the full invasion uh, two years ago. Russia claimed at the time that uh, it it had acted uh, to prevent a genocide in the Donbass region, but Ukraine said that itself was a false claim and therefore Russia was in breach of the convention. So all a bit oh. uh, complicated tit for tat, but uh, you get you get the gist. Moscow claims the whole case is an underhand way by the Ukrainians of getting the court to declare that uh, the so-called special military operation is illegal, and so it should be thrown out. Uh, and what we're having on Friday is uh, kind of interim judgment. The court will not deliver a final ruling, but it will decide if uh, the case should proceed. And if it does, there will be a hearing on the merits of the case sometime several months down the line, perhaps even uh, after we've got the next Dutch government um, in place. Who knows? So uh, busy days at the uh, Peace Palace in The Hague. Yep. 
Developers completed only 73,000 new homes in the Netherlands last year, well below the government's target of 100,000, and that's even fewer than in 2022, according to new figures by statistics agency CBS. Um, they had more bad news because next year the number of completions will fall even further because fewer permits were handed out in 2021 and it takes on average two years for a uh, housing project to be completed. Most homes were built inside Holland, uh, 17,000 uh, new homes saw uh, uh, the daylight there, followed by Brabant and North Holland uh, with 12,000 new homes and by contrast only 1,300 new homes came in the market in Drenthe. So that's the least popular uh, <laughs> yeah. province. The, 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 um, I think they built new, new, the, the, they built more new homes uh, back in the uh, uh, Hunabed era, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, hopefully these homes are not made of uh, of uh, vain uh, this time. Yes. Um, according to research uh, carried out by the Home Affairs Ministry, developers are planning to build over a million new homes until 2030. This is in line with government targets, but projects have been put on ice, uh, not by Geert Wilders, but because of inflation, government rules on the percentage of social housing and uncertainty about the increase of rent controls. Um, and Housing Minister Hugo de Jonge warns that some projects might be delayed. Yeah. And there's also been uh, some uh, loud calls for something to be done about uh, these spiraling rents, right? Yeah, the the four big cities uh, have called uh, again on uh, Hugo de Jonge, the housing minister, to get tough on the extortionate rents being charged for tiny flats. The minister is expected to publish finalized legislation to control rents for most of the country's housing stock in the coming weeks. Uh, and the cities say that action really is needed urgently. Uh, landlords can virtually charge what they like for property in the free sector. And some people are paying uh, 2300 a month uh, to share share a chicken coop i think that was a literal quote by one of the uh, housing <laughs> right. aldermen um yeah that was uh, a quote by amsterdam housing chief reinier van danzig uh, i see her now uh, private landlords are surprisingly against rent control they say that they will not earn a sufficient return on their investment if rules become stricter and there are signs that uh, some are starting to sell up uh, according to rental property platform Pararius, some 8% of the current houses up for sale used to be rentals. And the cities think uh, that this is a good development. Uh, this will be good news for people who want to buy houses, Utrecht housing chief Dennis de Vries said. He added that uh, certainty for developers is, one of, is of the essence uh, and he's calling on parliaments to uh, give clarity and pass the legislation. Yeah, but um, it's not quite clear if it actually is going to pass because it's uh, come up against some opposition um, uh, from the uh, parties in the coalition negotiations, right? Yes, uh, before the election, uh, the VVD and the Boerburgerbeweging were already opposed to the plans. Uh, but in the debate held on Wednesday, uh, the PVV, who initially said the plans didn't go far enough, now expressed doubts about the bill. They fear that it will lead to a reduction of rentals uh, available. And Peter Omzicht's uh, new social contract has always been uncertain and couldn't give clarity in Wednesday's debate. Uh, de Jonge uh, said earlier that he hopes the new legislation, which will cover 90% of the rental market, will come into effect in July. He expects the impact will be um, 
to cut the rent of hundreds of thousands of homes by an average of 190 euros a month, although the change will not only affect new tenants. Um, yeah, if it's if the reduction is only less than 200 euros, then you pay 2100 for a chicken shed, right? So mm-hmm. um, that uh, still seems uh, ridiculously overpriced. You also said that uh, yeah, t- the change will only affect new tenants. Uh, other legislation that requires uh, cities to uh, set up a public register where they can report landlords charging too high rents, uh, discriminating or charging too much in service costs came into effect on January 1st. Yeah, and those measures do seem to be taking effect because there have been cases of people uh, taking their landlords uh, to uh, to, uh, challenging the rent of their landlords. And there was one uh, famous case in uh, Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago where um, uh, a a tenant had had their rent knocked down from 1950 euros a month to 95, right? So there are mechanisms for having your rent cut if it's uh, extortionately high. Sorry, what was the reduction? They went from 19. They were paying. They were paying 1,950 euros a month, oh. and it's now been reduced to 95. To 95. Yeah, but that's partly because there were uh, the, the, all kinds of problems, uh, so it's like leaks and drafts in the house, which uh, forced the, um, the, the the basic rent was cut to about 480 euros, which is still okay. sort of a quarter of what it was before, but then they reduced even more because of the state of the property. It's always worth challenging your rent if you think it's too high. These commissions that you can go to to report uh, landlords uh, who charge extortionate rents do seem to be gaining some teeth. This podcast is available for everyone to enjoy who's desperate enough to keep up with the uh, unravelling coalition talks. Uh, But if you'd like to reward our efforts uh, and help us to keep going, not to mention keeping up our stocks of extremely expensive Storbwaffles, you can now do so by becoming a Patreon sponsor. In return, you'll get a shout out by way of thanks, the chance to ask us your questions and access, of course, to all our bonus content and special episodes, including uh, the special episode we've uh, just uh, just recorded, uh, fresh off the press, like a huge, like a massive Storbwaffle, uh, our explainer about <laughs> one of the great engineering feats of the last century, the Dutch Delta Works. So sign up now if you'd like to know how the catastrophic floods of 1953 triggered one of the most ambitious public works projects in history. Yes, and we are going to try to... Uh, to- to make uh, more special episodes we're going to try to do one every month and if you have any suggestions on what we should cover if you have any uh, particular interests uh, uh, then please contact us and uh, and and give your suggestions we are eager to know uh, what you guys uh, yeah want to hear about yeah absolutely this week we welcome four new patrons uh, so uh, thank you very much to mike uh, to neil boyd to Angela Imus and to to Tano or Tanua. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce your name. Sorry. Um, so thank you very much to all of you for for for, 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 for coming on board and uh, for supporting us. Um, Mike, uh, message just to say he's uh, been here since uh, 2022 when he moved from Canada. Uh, he says he his parents were Dutch, uh, but he was never actually taught the language growing up in Canada, um, so it didn't put him off. Uh, but he says he is now making up for it, and he's in. He says I'm grateful to have a fun summary of Dutch news and current events. Uh, as I work my way up to being able to follow Dutch language news sites. So thank you very much uh, for, um, for that, uh, Mike, and uh, hope all's well with, uh, with you and that uh, your language lessons are progressing well. Um, and then we had a message from uh, Tanu, who says, uh, who's from South Africa, now lives in Amsterdam, and has a question for us. How long can the cabinet formation talks go on for without reaching an agreement? <laughs> Well, the answer to this is uh, there is no limit, right? It's open-ended. It takes as long yeah, as it takes. Yeah, it's open-ended. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, in in theory, it can take uh, 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 yeah, literally endlessly, but um, yeah, at some point um, we get so um, impatient that uh, yeah, we, we, there need to be need, something needs to be done, and it can either be, for example, new elections that has never happened before. Um, uh, formations have uh, in recent years uh, become increasingly longer and longer. Last uh, last cabinet was a record of how long was it? Almost 300 it days just, or something? I think it was 299 I think. The full. Yeah, something like that yeah. yeah. So it can take a very long time. Um, but I guess if you if you ask if there is a limit, I would say yeah, there, there is a four year limit in theory because yeah, then we we go to uh, uh, then we go to that, yeah, that, that, that's the next uh, planned election. Um, yeah. But yeah, it can, th- yeah um, the Tweede Kamer did try to install some sort of uh, mechanisms to, to reduce Use uh, the time it takes to to come up with a coalition, and that's these six-week um, deadlines that the informateur has. Uh, right, he starts his his process, and six weeks later, he is he needs to go to the Tweede Kamer and explain how things are going. That is a uh, yeah a, a very minor um, uh, um, measurement, I guess, in order to speed up the process a little bit. Um, however, the, he, he already had a deadline, right? Uh, which he missed. So the deadlines yeah. are not set in stone. No, the, 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 I mean, there aren't very many rules right, about the cabinet formation. It's deliberately left as elastic as possible so yeah. that they can have hold the talks behind closed doors in confidence. But at the same time, Parliament wants accountability, so they have set these deadlines. And I think uh, whatever happens, February the 12th is, as we mentioned earlier, is the deadline for the next progress report. That will trigger a debate. And I think in the course of the debate, we'll learn much more about how these, uh, where these talks are at, where there's a realistic prospect um, of actually forming a government. And if there isn't, then they'll have to decide what to do. And the options are either they get another group of parties around the table, but there isn't really an option because the Fefe Day don't want to go in, don't want to power share with uh, the left-wing parties, which is the only other mathematically possible option, I think. And the other alternative is new elections. And in the meantime, of course, the outgoing cabinet, which resigned in July, just carries on. Um, and uh, I guess if there's another round of new elections, we're then going to have a cabinet from two elections ago um, <laughs> running the country, right? Which is going to be very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hope. yeah, yeah. It's a, bit, a little bit of catch-22. Do we want this coalition to happen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> new yeah. elections. Or do you want yeah. an, 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 an yet another election campaign? When, of course, and I guess the other thing is, if there is an election campaign, the, it will be dominated by the, the, what happened during the coalition talks. So it's going to be very bitter yeah, and acrimonious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so all that to look forward to over the next coming months. And if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Dutch News Podcast um, and, and have your questions answered, uh, log on to www.patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. I round up now with some vital statistics, uh, some figures that everyone's looking at, not least in the context of the cabinet formation. Uh, first, inflation, which jumped upwards in January to 3.2%, having been 1.2% in December. Oh. Although at the end of last year, it was artificially low because we had things like the energy price cap. 
that had uh, pushed down mm. uh, energy prices. So that 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 that's expired at the end of last year. So we now have what is a more realistic uh, uh, reflection of the actual level of inflation. Um, it is three point two percent. Gas prices are still falling, um, and a year ago, uh, the the price cap cushioned the effect of the spike in gas prices. Um, inflation is rising in the Netherlands partly because of this. Uh, while in the whole of the eurozone, it fell slightly to two point nine percent, but it is still seems fairly stubborn it's taking a long way to come down uh, nevertheless that's fueled hopes by investors and people who are paying mortgages that the European Central Bank might start to cut interest rates some point later in this year and also food inflation is coming down according to CBS 40% of products have fallen in price in the last year milk, butter and garden furniture are all around 10% cheaper than they were at the end of 2022 sorry garden furniture is garden food? furniture yeah yeah but yeah, it's a food that's not price. Food. Well, it's sold at, I don't know, oh. the, the, the RCBS. <laughs> <laughs> you buy it in the supermarket, according to them. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, maybe so maybe that's the point where, where we're so desperate. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can't afford to talk baffles anymore, so we're eating garden furniture. <laughs> it's a nice uh, nice change on the uh, on the traditional tulip bulbs that we eat yeah. in uh, times of crisis yeah. um, so kind of good news on inflation what about refugees uh, these are the figures they'll be chewing over at the negotiation table and I'm not sure if it's good or bad news for the parties because the number of people claiming asylum for the first time is actually much lower than the estimates that were being bandied around Ooh. during the election campaign um, in 2023 more than 38,000 people applied for asylum and another 10,000 filed a request to join family members who are in the Netherlands and that of course is the issue on which the cabinet collapsed back in July the total yeah. number of refugees is up it's up by 8% on 2022 uh, but forecasts earlier in the year suggested it might be uh, twice that number some 76,000 in 2023 uh, there is an expectation that more will more refugees will arrive uh, this year uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, these uh, estimates are, are, are notoriously um, uh, vague and uh, t- tend to be revised heavily during the course of the year but there are there has been talk of needing to find 96,000 uh, asylum beds for the coming year. Nearly one third of all new asylum seekers came from Syria, and that was followed by Turkey, Eritrea, and Yemen. And this week there was also a bit of opaf about uh, another group of refugees. Yep, if you've been paying attention, you might notice that I didn't mention one of the biggest source of refugees for the last two years, which, of course, is Ukrainians, uh, because they have their own immigration channel that gives them more or less the same rights as EU citizens, at least for the time being. Uh, but Mona Kaiser, the former CDI MP, mm. who not so long ago was the brightest star in the BBB's firmament, and their uh, candidate of choice for the prime minister's job, she floated the idea of sending Ukrainians back to the west of the country. She said, uh, it uh, seems quite safe there. It's as far away from the front line as the Alps. So obviously no one's told her about uh, Russian long-range missiles. And she <laughs> says, also says, we can't afford to accommodate everybody. So send them back to Lviv uh, is her solution. Mm. Uh, this idea was quickly shot down with the political equivalent of a patriot defense system. But uh, Kaiser, I guess, raised an, another more salient point, which is that uh, she said Ukrainians who found work, and around 55% have, uh, because they have this uh, much more generous uh, um, or less restrictive uh, 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 refugee asylum system than others, uh, that they should pay for their own rent and medical costs. Uh, at the moment, Ukrainians do have to pay rent in some municipalities, but since June 2022, they've been able to access basic health care without paying insurance or Echerisiko. Um, and are there any facts and figures that might be uh, deterring people from uh, seeking refuge in the Netherlands? Uh, 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of speculation that we might get an influx of climate refugees, but uh, frankly, it looks like people are going to start fleeing in the opposite direction soon because 2023 was an absolute washout. It was the warmest year on record with an average temperature of 11.8 degrees, but it was also the wettest with uh, 11.52 millimetres of rain falling across the country. Uh, and that is uh, well above the previous record, uh, which dated from 1998 of just over 1100, and also far above the 30-year average of 851 millimetres. So annual temperatures are nearly three degrees warmer than between 1901 and 1930, which are the earliest years we have official records for. And the top 10 warmest years all date from uh, well, a more recent than 1990, while the 10 coldest years were all before 1963. Uh, but if you watch Encore Nederland, uh, everything's okay because climate change is a big hoax made up by the mainstream media. An explosion and subsequent fire in a low-rise apartment block in Rotterdam's Zuidwijk district destroyed several houses and killed at least two persons. One person was taken to the hospital with serious injuries and dozens of people who lived in the block were evacuated after the blast, which brought down walls and gutted several of the flats. Seven homes have been declared uninhabitable. On Monday night, police carried out an inventory of who lived in the building and three people were found to be missing. Officials had used a drone to try to find them in the rubble without success. And the search was made difficult because the remains of the buildings were in imminent danger of collapse. Relatives of the missing man wanted the bodies to be brought out of the rubble before demolition works before demolition work started um, and the bodies were damaged any further. Two men were arrested on Wednesday night who tried to access the site to retrieve the bodies and a large group of neighbors demanding the bodies uh, back so they could be washed in accordance to Islamic tradition gathered at the fence that sealed the blast site. Riot police uh, were called into action to maintain order and to prevent any more people from searching through the wreckage. Uh, and on Wednesday, the body of a 43-year-old man was found, and on Thursday, the body of a 22-year-old victim was recovered. And a 33-year-old man is still uh, missing. His body is still uh, not being found. And um, the cause of the explosion uh, in Rotterdam South has not yet been determined, but it's um, likely that it is a gas explosion um, that um, yeah, co- that uh, uh, went off in the um, parking garage underneath the building uh, block. Yeah, you see, I've seen a few people mention on social media that when you you look at the pattern of the um, of the wreckage, it, it, it fits with uh, with gas leaks uh, in, in other places. Yeah. So that seems to be the most likely explanation. But they are still investigating. But uh, yeah, it's a very sad um, thing to have happened uh, down in Rotterdam. In sports news, it was transfer deadline day this week, but in the absence of Mark Overmars and Sven Mislintat, it was a pretty drama-free, controversy-free day. Miron Buadu, the former teenage sensation at Azad Alkmaar, is coming back to the Eredivisie after an unhappy spell in Monaco. Uh, he doesn't, uh, I don't know if he's been hanging out with Max Verstappen, but hasn't done much for his <laughs> uh, goal-scoring prowess. He's played to 76 minutes and scored once this season. Uh, it seems a long time since he bagged 14 goals under Arna Slot in the 2019-20 season, which was cut short by coronavirus. He's coming back to FC mm. Twente, who are AZ Alkmaar's main rivals, along with Ajax, for the Europa League spot next season. So that's uh, going to be nice and spicy. AZ, meanwhile, they've recruited one of the great names in the Eredivisie, Le Quincio Zeefauk. He's moving from oh, Fallen Dumb. Yeah. Oh, and, great uh, name. Yeah, he really is. Um, he's 19 years old. He signed a contract that will keep him in Alkmaar until 2029. 
PSV have had to let Belgian reserve striker Joba Fertessen go to Union Berlin for after a protracted transfer saga. That leaves them needing some cover for Noah Lang, who's injured. Uh, they had lined up Excelsior's Kuai Petruech for a reported 2.1 million, which would have been a record transfer for Excelsior, but they've, they weren't playing ball. They refused to let him undergo a medical examination in Eindhoven, so the deal is off. And as for Ajax, they're bringing back their former academy player, Julian Reikoff, who's uh, still only 19 from Borussia Dortmund. But the best news in Amsterdam was that a transfer that didn't go ahead. Bayern Munich were eyeing up Stefan Bergwijn as a backup option if they couldn't manage to lure Brian Zaragoza from Granada. But on Wednesday, it was confirmed that the German Rekordmeister had agreed a 3 million euro transfer fee for the Spanish striker, which means that Bergwijn can stay at Ajax, with Stefan Berghaus to the consternation of commentators <laughs> all over the country and uh, finally Ajax has something to uh, to celebrate uh, on the pitch right yes uh, it's been a pretty wretched season for the men although they are uh, recovering in the Eredivisie now but uh, the women uh, are flying high uh, the women who remember were banned from celebrating their league title last season because uh, because the men had uh, were, were in a big sulk uh, but the women are continuing to do well they've defied the odds to qualify for the knockout rounds of the Champions League uh, in their first attempt at the competition uh, they needed just a draw in the Johan Cruyff Arena on Tuesday evening to progress at the expense of Roma and after going a goal behind midway through the first half they levelled just before the break through Tini Hoogstra and then five minutes from the end, Shiri de Spitzer's corner flew in off the head of an Italian defender and that confirmed the win and sent Ajax through. Uh, and in fact, they would have topped the group if PSG had, uh, had lost to Bayern Munich in the other game, but those two teams drew 2-2. Coach Susanna Bakker said, if anyone had said we'd reached the quarterfinals at the start of the group stage, I'd have said they were mad. But it was a bittersweet moment for Bakker because she was told two weeks ago that her contract would not be extended at the end of the season. Hmm. So the Champions League final could yet end up being her last match as Ajax coach uh, but okay, they are underdogs <laughs> yeah yeah, but they are underdogs and they have to get past uh, one of the big favourites of the competition to progress any further that's Barcelona Lyon or Chelsea and they will find out your identity of their quarterfinal opponents on February the 6th uh, that's all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. Uh, you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek, and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.